Hi friends, I'm Dr. Cindy Leibert. And I'm Brooke Jack. We are your hosts of the Joy Prescription Podcast. In this show, we interview pioneering individuals who are integrating faith into their work and their spheres of influence in their respective fields of healthcare, coaching, psychology, and ministry. We dialogue at the intersection of lifestyle medicine, brain health, and Christianity. In each episode, our guests will share their hard-won wisdom and strategies for intentional living, spiritual growth, and health stewardship. Together, we explore God's joy prescription, how He redeems our life stories and brings us into wholeness, mind, body, and spirit. We are so glad you're here to be a part of this conversation. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Joy Prescription Podcast. We're your hosts, Dr. Cynthia Leibert here. I'm an integrative family physician, wife, and mom of three. And I'm Brooke Jack, pastor, entrepreneur, wife, and also a mom of three. We are so glad you're here. The Joy Prescription Podcast is the place where we explore topics at the intersection of our passions, brain health, lifestyle medicine, and Christian spirituality. We pray that the Holy Spirit uses our voices to encourage you, reveal spiritual truths, and simply inspire positive change in your life, your health, your faith, family, and work. We invite you to take your learning further with us at thejoyprescription.com. Welcome back to the Joy Prescription Podcast. Today, we are going to be moving on from our discussion early on with the podcast. We opened up with this acrostic, (laughs) uh, Mm -hmm. J-O-Y, for the Joy Prescription, and we talked about the J being standing for just be still and surrender to God. We uh, shared Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. And today I'm excited to talk with you, Brooke, about the O, which is opening your heart to new possibilities, opening Mm -hmm. your heart to what God's doing in your life. And and initially I had... (laughs) (laughs) When I came up with this acrostic, I had open your heart to all the good that God is doing. And and I decided Mm -hmm. to kind of reframe that a little bit because sometimes whatever God's doing doesn't seem good. It doesn't have that outward appearance of good. And so just wanted to highlight that fact that, you know, sometimes we we, it's harder <laughs> to mm-hmm. open up and to surrender when we are feeling some pain and, and That's in right. difficult circumstances. And, and so it's both the most exhilarating thing and intimidating thing at the same time, right? Opening your true. heart to, to new <laughs> possibilities. <laughs> very true. So excited to talk about this topic. We're going to cover brain ants or cognitive distortions as one of the main limiting factors with us being able to open our heart and to fully surrender and be still before the Lord. And so Brooke, would you open up uh, us with the scripture uh, this week? Sure. All right. It's Isaiah 43 verse 19. 
And this is the um, ESV, English Standard Version, which says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I love that scripture. It's yeah, definitely been very encouraging to me many times in life when I feel like I'm in, in the desert. Yes. <laughs> wandering around. <laughs> yes. And I always find great comfort when I see uh, the I wills in scripture. Um, God saying I will, because we know that if he says that he's going to keep his word. So when I read that I will make a way in the wilderness, uh, that brings me such hope because mm-hmm. you can trust the I wills from God for sure. I love it. It reminds me of that song that you shared. If you say it, I'll believe it. Yes, <laughs> yes. I can't say I'm a man, a man of my word. Yeah. Or he's That's a man it. of his word. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that song. <laughs> me too. Oh, man. In the car, I am like, on stage, you know, just (laughs) the diva in me comes out in the car. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) I'm in the shower. (laughs) Yeah. So in, in this verse, I, that part that stood out to me is God asking, do you not perceive it? And so it, it made me think, well, why would we not perceive what he's doing? The new way that he's opening up shed some light on that for us. Sure. Well, the first thing that pops in my mind is just, um, not looking through the lens of fate. Um, when we are only looking at circumstances or possibilities, um, through our sensory experience, through, um, our, our intellect, um, through what we can, see in the physical or what we can perceive in the physical, then we are going to not perceive through the lens of faith, which is always first uh, revealed to our spirit man, not to our physical man. And so when we um, are so focused on just what is before us in the natural, then we miss seeing what God is doing. And, and faith is is what first, um, allows us to see those possibilities. You know, when we believe that God is able to make a way in in the wilderness to produce rivers in the desert, when we cling to that truth by faith, then we, our, our mind, our spirit, our soul begins to, um, ponder the what ifs of, of what God could do and the possibilities. So I think, uh, we have to, um, you know, go beyond just the sensory experience of, of our lives to see what, or to perceive what God is doing. I love it. Walking in the spirit. (laughs) Yes. Yes. We walk by the spirit, not by the the flesh. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we, we stay in a place of limitation, not only limiting ourselves, but limiting God. When we, when we don't, uh, embrace faith, we, we don't see what we're capable of and we fail to see what God is capable of. So faith says, I don't have to understand it to believe it. And so we might not understand 
how God's going to make the way in the wilderness. We may not understand how he's going to um, cause these different things to ultimately work together cohesively for our good, but that's not what we need to understand. We just need to believe that he is able and that he is willing to do it and um, then watch him work. Love it. And we chose John 8, 32 as another scripture to highlight today. Would you read that for us, Brooke? Yes. Uh, This is from the New International Version. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Tell me more about the context of that verse. How does that help us understand it? Oh, sure. So Jesus is, is talking to the Pharisees and um, really trying to help them understand their identity and understand and believe his identity, who he is. And he's, he's telling them that he's, um, you know, the son of God, he's making references to, um, I'm from above. I am the light of the world. The people walk in darkness. We see these, um, contrasts throughout the, um, scripture there in John eight, and he is, you know, trying to bring them the truth of his identity and as well as theirs, because, Ultimately, our identity is directly connected to Jesus's identity, because if he's not who he says he is, then we're not who he says we are. And then we can't have what he says we can have. So it you know, fundamentally has to go back to he has to be true. And he says even the father is true. And so he's, um, you know, making this reference to this, this intimacy of identity that he has, and they are having a difficult time perceiving who he is. And, um, he's basically saying the truth is not, you know, this, this concept, I'm the truth. And Mm -hmm. so when you become my disciples, um, when you make room for me in your heart, then you will be free from this, this bondage that you're in. And, you know, that, that bondage of identity, false identity is huge. It was huge. Then it's huge. Now, you know, the, the Pharisees, they were um, caught up in all the works and, and trying to earn their way. Um, so that this, this very works based, um, thinking and value system. And Jesus is trying to break that whole barrier down, um, with the grace message. There's this, um, this concept here of the freedom from bondage and slavery. And they understood that, that imagery, like when he said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They immediately associated that word being set free to bondage to slavery, this idea of slavery. And they're, they kind of get a little offended or a little, you know, feathers ruffled about Mm -hmm. we've, we've not been in bondage. Um, so Jesus was basically trying to say, okay, you've got to look beyond the physical realm and your intellectual and experiential understanding of 
this concept of bondage and you've got to see this through a spiritual lens here um, of being enslaved and he he says everyone who sins is a slave to sin so you know you descendants of abraham yes you may not have experienced slaves of anyone like they were to the egyptians or to the babylonians at one time in the physical but yet you are in bondage because you are enslaved to sin and the only way to have freedom from that type of bondage is to know the truth and I'm the truth. And, um, he, he says later on, he says, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. And so, you know, we have to make room for Jesus's word and truth in our hearts in order to receive the freedom that he offers us. So when he says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Well, again, truth is not just this concept. Uh, it's, it's a person, it's Jesus himself. So to know him is to believe his truth of his identity and again, our identity is, is directly connected as a product of his identity. And, um, that will set you free from, from the bondage of sin. There is no other way to be set free from that type I of love, bondage. I love it. Actually, it goes right along with the devotional I was doing this morning that really emphasize that Jesus, he was so concerned about our heart, mm-hmm. not the outward appearance, That's not right. the keeping up of the appearance of righteousness or integrity, but actually what our thoughts are, where our heart is. And wow, right. <laughs> yeah, just so intimate and powerful to know that about our God is that he really cares about our mindset and our heart. So and, thank you. And for our identity, that. he's always looking to upgrade our identity, mm-hmm. you know, to help us upgrade our identity for sure. Exactly. And these brain ants, we call them automatic negative thoughts. One of my mentors, Dr. Daniel Amen coined that term. I love these it. <laughs> cognitive distortions. Actually, it was um, Dr. David Burns who wrote in his classic book, Feeling Good, he popularized this concept of cognitive distortions, these lies really that we automatically tell ourselves in our head, kind of like it's on a, on a tape, repeating tape in the head. And we're all prone to them. Nobody is immune. Some of us more than others. And and we know people that are prone to anxiety, depression, tend to have more brain ants, these things that just pop into your head. And today I thought we would just outline five of the common ones. We can do a follow-up next month on, on some, another set of five. Maybe you might recognize some in in your own life. I know I certainly can give many examples of each one of these. Uh, all, (laughs) All or nothing thinking. So that's when we look at things in black and white categories. If you fall short of perfection, you tell yourself you're a complete failure in some sort of minor problem in your life can just kind of blow up into a full-scale catastrophe. 
I can, <laughs> again, <laughs> give you innumerable examples of this. I don't think we have to belabor that point. Um, so black and white thinking is one common cognitive distortion. Overgeneralization is another. That's where you have something you know painful happen in your life, whether it's an event you know, happening like a divorce or failure to achieve a certain goal, um, bankruptcy, and you look at it as this never ending pattern of defeat in your life. You feel like um, maybe you got rejected by someone and, and then you start to generalize that to nobody likes me. And then all the, the brain ants can then start to gang up on you <laughs> and they can start to pile up and, and different ones can come in. So mental filtering is another brain ant. That's when we magnify flaws and we generalize it to our worth and our, how our entire self is that right there is a direct assault on our identity. And certainly we know as Christians that that's a part of why, why God came to show us who we are. And when we allow these brain ants to run unchecked, uncontrolled, then it's, it's really getting in the way of our transformation and our spiritual growth. So, so we have overgeneralization, mental filtering, all or nothing thinking. So discounting the positive, this is a really common brain ant. And I see it often in my children or my patients. And certainly in myself, I can relate to that where it's lies. You, you look at your life and you see all of your good qualities and your achievements, but you kind of push those aside and say, well, those don't really matter because I have some you know, negative things going on here. So you discount the positive things and you maintain this false belief that you're somehow defective or you're a total failure. Mm-hmm. So we want to <laughs> guard against that. And then the fifth brain ant is jumping to conclusions and that's where you sort of, it's, it's related to catastrophizing. It's where you have these dire negative predictions. So jumping to conclusions, I certainly could give many examples. I will share one from my life recently. I have a lovely daughter who is not prone to anxiety, but recently she's started to have concerns about the end of grade testing. And this is how her thought process went. I'm going to fail the EOGs. That means that my friends are all going to do really well. And that means that we're going to end up in different classes next year. So I'm going to be lonely in my new school. I'm not going to have any friends and life is terrible. So that that was the the chain of thoughts that she was having. And I gently and as compassionately and kindly as I could try to help her understand that those were brain ants that was ganging up on her. And all of those things, she was jumping to conclusions. She was uh, catastrophizing Mm -hmm. and 
you know, of course, it's highly unlikely that she's going to fail her end of year testing. She's done well. And it's highly unlikely that all her friends are going to do better. (laughs) And (laughs) and, and so, you know, we can laugh with a child and, and think, oh, well, I would never think those things, but I will, I promise you, if you examine your thought life, there are so many of these irrational fears that can creep in and often it happens subconsciously. So the way that I identify it in my life is if I, you know, start to have kind of an uneasy feeling or I'm just anxious or a little worried or just feeling unsettled, Mm -hmm. I stop and say, what am I thinking? You know, what, what's going on in the background? What's not even, you know, bubbling up to the surface of my consciousness. And, and then, mm-hmm. you know, I often discover some brain ants are underlying those negative feelings. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm sure you can relate. <laughs> Tell me what's your experience with brain ants been? Oh man. I, I, I think almost all of these that you've mentioned, I've experienced in, in some way, um, you know, especially, you know, feeling, um, like responsible for things, you know, there was a season in my life, particularly where, um, you know, working on a team, um, and there would be problems, you know, that we'd say, okay, bring this to the table. There's something we need to address. This is happening. This is happening. And this is problematic. And I would say, oh, it must be me. Like I'm the one that's causing this problem. Kind of that overgeneralization a little bit, like, you know, I always ruin everything kind of thinking like, oh, I'm the one that's, that's, this would flourish if I was not Mm. in the picture or, you know, I'm contributing to this, this problem. So I just need to kind of get out of the way. So, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and there was just that, um, taking on that, uh, you know, responsibility for the problem and, and assigning that to me, you know, that I was the one, um, instead of being able to, you know, separate those things. Um, and even, you know, I'm thinking about the, the example that you just shared, um, with one of your daughters and I, remember having a similar experience in college. So you're right. Like we might laugh Mm -hmm. at more of a child or think, you know, oh, that's, you know, that's really irrational. And and again, think maybe we wouldn't go that far, but oh yeah, you can go that far. (laughs) So easy. And um, I remember in college, I always been a, um, you know, pretty much straight A student, um, very conscientious about you know, doing assignments, staying on top of tasks, like just very responsible. Nobody had to, to stay on my back. I self-regulated and mm-hmm. kept those things, you know, um, managed and, oh, I turned that. No worries. Off. No worries. <laughs> Let's let it ring. And then I'll okay. keep talking that way. <laughs> yeah. There might be a way to edit that little sound out, but yeah, no worries. That's, uh, that's frustrating because I did, I put it on silent. So this wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's the emergency breakthrough line. <laughs> yeah, really. 
Um, and so when we, um, when I was in college, we, I was in a chemistry and biology classes and, you know, we had labs, um, that we had to do alongside those. And I don't know what happened, but there was a lab assignment that my roommate and I had to complete. And I don't know if we procrastinated or we just didn't realize how much time the assignment was actually going to take to complete. And so therefore we didn't manage our, our calendaring well to take advantage of open lab hours and things like that. And we got, we bumped up to the deadline and we were not finished. And it was Mm -hmm. the first time in my educational experience that I had was not ready on time for something to be turned in. And I remember walking back to our dorm from that lab and going, oh my goodness, my world is about to crumble Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I haven't, this isn't ready. And then I'm going to fail this class because this is a huge portion of our grade. And then I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, qualify for the other classes that I need. And, and what are, what are people going to think of me? Mm -hmm. Because I've always been so, you know, overachiever and here I am like totally failing at this and, and having difficulty with this. And, you know, it was just this, I had never felt that so shaky, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, part of that was because my identity was really anchored in what I was doing, you know? Um, and so when, what I was doing was not, um, you know, meeting the expectations or wasn't, wasn't panning out very well, then, all of a sudden, you know, I found myself in this very um, uneasy and insecure place, you know. The good end of the story is that our, our lab leader um, guy and then graduate student um, had grace and mercy on uh-huh. us, <laughs> a little freshmen who were panicking and he did extend things to us, but it was quite amazing how big and overwhelming those brain ants became to where it was just like, I'm going to get kicked out of college. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to go back home and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. face up to this failure and disappointment with my family and just all these, you know, (laughs) potential outcomes, (laughs) you know, before we had even asked for grace and mercy (laughs) to be extended, you know? (laughs) Yes. And I, I am sure that our listeners can tell us their stories and, you know, happens all the time. Some of us do it multiple times a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> going down that path of catastrophizing and overgeneralization. And one of the insights that I've had is that God actually invented this cognitive behavioral therapy, the restructuring yes. of these cognitive distortions. It's in scripture, second mm-hmm. Corinthians 10, three through five. I'll read the King James version. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And here we go. 
and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So mm-hmm. it's right there in scripture that we're to practice this where when we can identify lies of the enemy or to capture that thought and hold it up to the light of God's Mm -hmm. truth about who we are and who he is (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and allow that thought to be transformed. And the more that we do it, we create these neural pathways, these grooves in our brain that start to uh, heal us from these brain ants. And so you know, the opposite is true. Of course, the more that you practice this kind of uh, cognitive distortion and let them run wild, it does form a groove kind of, Mm -hmm. so to speak in the brain, that path gets well-worn and it's easier just to keep going down that path. But we are called (laughs) to, to really identify these thoughts that are not true, that are distortions Mm -hmm. of the truth. Mm-hmm. And to remember who we are—that we're yes. we're perfect and whole and complete in Christ. Mm-hmm. God has a plan for our life. He's restoring us. He's opening us up to new possibilities and making a way in the wilderness. So, I just right. love the encouragement that we can get through Scripture. And uh, wanted to talk about you know. Uh, other than, you know, this idea of, of uh, cognitive restructuring of capturing the thought and, and replacing it, just, you know, talking about um, what else, what other scriptures come to mind uh, for you, Brooke, um, when you're thinking about how we can live this out practically. Yeah, before I share that, I I wanted to share a visual that came to mind when you were talking about um, taking hold of these lies and holding them up to the light. And recently, um, my son and their, um, I guess their science unit, they were uh, learning about the um, bones and their bodies, and they ended up doing this uh, particular type of artwork, where when you just look at it, you know, at at face value, it just looks like uh, part of an arm and a hand. But then if you took it over to a window and held it up and let the natural light flood in behind it, it revealed all the individual little bones in the hand and the wrist. And I, I immediately thought of that when you said, that we hold these, um, these lies and these negative thoughts to the light because it's the truth, um, of Christ that then allows us to see what's really at work and, um, helps us to go, Oh, that's, that's, what's contributing to this. This is, this is a falsehood and I need to reject that. So, um, I, th- I thought about that. My, my son was so thrilled yeah. with this particular <laughs> artwork thing. I mean, he just, mom, mom, you gotta see this. Look, look. And, um, yeah, it's a good parallel and how, um, when we, you know, adopt the truth of Christ when we take on his uh, truths and his words that it allows us to see clearly that's right what needs to be eliminated from our mm-hmm. thinking that's how we get yes. wisdom and clarity yes. and the truth yes. <laughs> that's right that's right so um, a scripture that comes to mind 
um, to help us live this out is second Timothy one verse seven and, uh, in the King James, it says for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And, um, that, that is a truth that we have got to, um, anchor ourselves to because the fear-based thinking is, is constant and lots, lots and lots uh, (laughs) of it out there. Um, but we have to believe that we have the spirit of power. That's the Holy spirit. We have the Holy spirit of power of love and of a sound mind. And we need to believe that and actually declare that over ourselves. You know, I often do that when, um, I'm having, you know, confusion in my mind when uh, negative thinking is becoming more dominant or more the frequency is increasing. Um, I will stop and out loud say, I've not got a spirit of fear. I have the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. And that just even hearing myself say that and my brain to process Mm -hmm. that, you know, helps to reinforce that truth and helps those, you know, neural pathways, um, to form, um, but just standing on that truth and believing that I have a sound mind, like that belongs to me, um, taking ownership of that Jesus bought this for me with his own blood. He gave me life and life abundant. And part of that abundant life is a sound mind. And so when we um, believe that that is something we can have, that it belongs to us, it um, makes us a little more motivated to fight for it, right? Or to Mm -hmm. defend it. Um, Just like if you had something valuable, you know, that, and, and there was threats of somebody trying to take that from you, then you're like, no, that's mine. You can't that's have right. that. You know, that's that, right. that belongs <laughs> to me. This is, this is treasure to me. And um, so we, but if we don't believe that we have access to those things, that, then, you know, we're more prone to let the enemy continue to encroach on our freedom. I, I love that. Well, I'd like to share something that God's doing in my own mind and heart here just very recently. Actually, yesterday, I had a lovely patient tell me it's one of her life goals to treat her family as kindly as she would a stranger or an honored guest. Mm -hmm. And wow, that was just it really was convicting to me yeah. because I hate to admit it. You know, of course, I'm very nice to all the people in my life. But when I get tired mm-hmm. at night, I can become irritable. And I'm sure I'm not alone. I nope. give myself grace. <laughs> you know, the being a mom and having all the responsibilities, it's like kind of a, a parade of responsibilities that that we have to contend with, uh, but sometimes I can get irritable and short and it's, but it's really convicting to me that that is my life goal too, to yeah. be as kind and compassionate and gentle and patient with my dearest loved ones that I am with everyone else, yes. <laughs> my patients and colleagues and 
strangers. And, and so I, I start, started to realize after she said this, that it, it actually has to do not only with the physiological, just fact of being tired and, mm. and needing to go to bed, <laughs> and, right. um, but also brain ants contribute to irritability and shortness in my case, because of the particular ones that I have and, and God's, the Holy spirit has pointed out and showed me, has shown me that some lies that I tell myself, such as, you know, I have so many things to do. There's not enough time (laughs) to do them. And I'm rushed and feeling time pressured. And I found myself just kind of all of a sudden spontaneously saying, I have all the time I need to do everything God has for me to do. He has given me all the time, the resources, the financial provision. He's giving that to me to sustain my family, to sustain my business. And so it's just, it's really been beautiful to see how Holy Spirit can, he, he does the work. <laughs> we yes. have to be willing and open and, but he, he gives us grace and, and does the work for us. Just like I'm experiencing that. So, so now yeah. I'm, you know, seeing that all day long, I have opportunities to yes. renew my mind to do this cognitive restructuring when I'm feeling tense (laughs) about something about, you know, Mm -hmm. well, I've got 30 minutes to go grocery shopping, go home, cook dinner and be somewhere. (laughs) So obviously that's not going to (laughs) happen. So clearly (laughs) God doesn't have all these things for me to do. I could, you know, just do what's in front of me and, and just mm-hmm. be more at peace about that. And when I yeah. do that, then I, I can spill over kindness and patience and generosity into the people around me instead of spilling over frustration and bitterness and angst. And so, you know, this is, this is the work of living out our salvation of sanctification of how this is how Holy spirit, you know, comes in and, and just gently and expertly prunes these lies, these uh, distortions about mm-hmm. who we are, what we're here to do, <laughs> what expectations right. we have to live up to. So it's just really a, a beautiful thing to see. God, you know, making, making ways in, in the wilderness and, and, uh, and en- yeah. encouraging you to, um, exchange, uh, essentially kind of a, a poverty mindset mm-hmm. of, I don't have enough. I I'm limited to this abundant, you know, going from the scarcity mindset, so to speak to, um, the abundant mindset of this, I do have the time that I need. I do have the resources that I need to do what God has, has assigned for me in this day. And I'm even thinking about, um, Isaiah 61, where Jesus says that he came or was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to, um, proclaim freedom for the captives and to release 
from darkness for the prisoners and you know that proclaiming of freedom for the captives we become captive to a certain way of thinking and he proclaims this freedom no there's a different way to uh, do life there's mm. uh a grace (laughs) on which to do life. You know, um, the phrase Holy spirit gave me years ago was the pace of grace. Um, there's a pace, um, that he sets in our life. That's, that's, um, by his grace, you know, that we operate our day to day doings and, and livings. And we don't have to be, um, you know, bound to, um, the world's, uh, you know, slavery mentality of grind, 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 you know, um, day after day after day to find fulfillment, but that we can, um, just move gracefully in him and, um, be led by his spirit and, and not to be, um, under that, that heaviness and that weight, you know, um, because our, we're not, uh, our identity isn't anchored in that, it's, it's anchored in him. I, I love it. There is just so much richness in scripture we could go on and yes. on. I keep thinking of, uh, other scriptures. I want to share one last one. And before we wrap up today, I wanted to share Philippians four, eight. This oh, is the yeah. King James version. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So encouraging, you know, we, (laughs) I think it's countercultural for sure. The, The media, the news, even social media oftentimes will be full of things that we should worry about mm-hmm. <laughs> that are negative, you know, yeah. sources of conflict and, and troublesome things. And, and of course, you know, we want to be educated and, and good problem solvers and, but we don't need to ponder and, and just really, you know, get bogged down in all those negative things. Um, so I think that that's part of living out our faith is, is to renew our mind and to focus on the good, positive, just pure things, the the lovely things. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here with me today, Brooke. This has been really a fun conversation and it has. Also to our listeners, we are thrilled that you're here and tune in next week. We're going to have another devotional for you next week. And in the meantime, we invite you to go deeper with us by joining the Joy Prescription community at thejoyprescription.com. And until next time, I want you to go out and do one new thing today that's going to bring you joy. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Joy Prescription Podcast, where we explore the intersection of lifestyle medicine, brain health, and Christianity. We invite you to take your learning deeper with us at thejoyprescription.com. Be sure to sign up for our email newsletter and receive free weekly Joy Prescription devotionals. Bye for now.